When you need your work truck to work as hard as you do, trust Delphi Technologies to deliver the parts built for the toughest work environments. From construction sites to long distance hauling, go with the aftermarket supplier known for its 100 plus years of OE heritage and expertise. Go to DelphiAftermarket.com today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Ross. Now, any business owner, if they haven't already got a plan in place for what to do with their business down the road, uh, should probably get on it. And it's certainly on top of mind for a lot of folks about whether or not whether there's a succession plan, whether they want to keep the business, whether they want to kind of back out of it halfway. There's lots of options, certainly. They all take time and they all take a really clear understanding uh, of what your business is worth. So discuss that and related topics with me today is Milan Fort uh, of PDC Auto. She is a chartered accountant, uh, legacy CPA, uh, and, and uh, she is uh, an expert in this field working in the automotive aftermarket uh, finance uh, segment for a while. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Milan. Hello, thank you. I know that was a mouthful to explain what my professional designation is and what I do, but thank you. Uh, you're very welcome. And of course, Milena is returning to us. She was uh, with us uh, a podcast in the past, uh, but also with us today is our uh, intrepid uh, guest host of sorts, uh, uh, Murray Voth of <laughs> RPM Training. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Murray. Excellent. Glad to be here. And I don't have any designations. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're best in our books. So there you go. You're designated automotive consultant expert. That's it. There you go. That's I was it. telling somebody that I was a subject matter expert yesterday and they had oh. never heard that expression before. So they they had a they had a new smile on their face. That, that's Anyways, awesome. That's what I am. <laughs> So Milan, uh, you know, with that kind of uh, very lengthy intro, um, you know, if I for 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 the folks out there who have a business and they might they might not be having a firm plan in place or certainly not not you know a near horizon for it, but uh, you know want to get some things in place. Uh, you know what what's kind of the first step? I mean, uh, in, in in understanding kind of what, what's it worth? What's my business worth? Where do I go? How do, you know, how do I figure that out? And, and uh, how do I um, kind of maximize that and start to make some decisions? Also a mouthful. Well, Sorry. <laughs> Murray and I are both in the Okanagan. So we actually meet in person. Like we've had lunch and we talk about, I've learned a lot from Murray. I've learned everything I know in terms of the qualitative components of how these businesses operate as well as the quantitative, because he is very skilled with um, training shop owners to value the metrics and the data from their business. And what we both know, because I work with automotive repair shop owners on the bookkeeping and the accounting side, which flows directly to KPIs, which is the key performance indicators that Murray trains, what we what we both felt was we're looking at an aging population in this industry, which means the owners are nearing a point where they do need to retire. And some people have not prepared for that in, in a way that allows them to feel secure leaving the business. Yeah. We both also found some people are burnt out and exhausted mm -hmm. because 
I'm going to use some terminology from a really good book. If Can I recommend a book? Of course. It's called The E-Myth. It's mm -hmm. been around a long time. I'm sure you're familiar with it. What I love is they actually use the term technician. And many times I see mechanic Red Seal technicians who bought a business, who run a shop, they're, but they bought a job is what mm -hmm. terminology would be used. Now we need to have these individuals sell a business. What they haven't done is built a business, unfortunately. Yeah. What Murray teaches people is there are several layers to the value of what he's giving as a gift in these courses. And people probably could take the course more than once, to be honest. There is a lot of information. I'm going to step into the, I'm going to put on my accountant hat. So please stop me if I start <laughs> using terminology or saying things that are too complicated. Basically, what you need is to understand how your business is valued um before you even go there though i'm i'm recommending a lot of people i'm aligning people with uh skilled wealth planners who can calculate for people what they need to survive on in retirement once you have this idea we can look at the business and understand what is possible if i were to sell this business today there are chartered business valuations experts. So they're chartered accountants who go and get another level of um, specialization. It's a very skilled profession. It's expensive. And so many times people won't have the funds available or feel that they don't want to give, give up that cash to do this. The exercise can be done based on your internal financial information. And I'm going to give a little bit of insight as to how to do that. The focus I want people to understand, though, is that when you sell a business, it, a deal can be structured in, um, let's focus on two basic ways. And this isn't to say that this is how you're going to value the business. This is to say, this is how a buyer and a seller can negotiate the terms of a sale. There is an asset purchase concept and there is a share purchase concept it is a very important um, distinction to understand many times a buyer will offer a seller more money for the asset sale and that may appear appealing but I'm here to encourage everyone to understand first if they qualify for what is the most substantial tax break. I call it a tax gift that the Canadian government gives to every Canadian citizen. And that is the lifetime capital gains exemption. This, Can I interrupt you for a sec, Milan? Yes, I already am keep, going too keep, far down the rabbit keep, hole. Keep your, keep your train of, no, no, keep your train of thought. Um, but I just want to interject that I learned about that, I forget now, 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Um, and I would say that 99.9% .9 of all shop owners that I work with and meet have never heard about that. And it's never come up um, with them, with their accountant. 
And I have found out that there are accountants that are aware of the concept, but don't actually know how to implement it to get somebody to actually do it. So this is, in my world, it is it is this vague thing that's out there that nobody actually knows how to access. So I just want to let you know how far away from that concept the automotive shop owner actually is. Anyways, continue on. So, so let's get them a little bit closer to it. Carry on. Yes. I am um, I'm shocked to hear that there are so many designated professional accountants not discussing with this with clients. This is a very basic accounting like in this professional field. So I'm just going to suggest a little something else that maybe um, individuals, shop owners do a little homework into the designation and profession that the quote accountant they're working with has. Um, just like a red seal technician is who I take my vehicle to, to have repairs done. I would not go. Um, I, I don't know if this exists in that field, but do you have someone who can just open a shop and just say, I'm a mechanic and do work? Because they, that's they do. They exist. They're they're not they're technically shouldn't be, but they do exist all over Canada. Well, yeah. and, and we do have it. I guess we call it it's 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 somewhat equivalent uh, in the vernacular for the industry to kind of the segmented certifications that we have. I can be, you know, an oil change technician, you know, uh, which is not oh. something that the industry has fought against these these kind of they see it as a devaluation of, of what a proper uh, you know, class A used to be class A, but the proper technician right. is, but they can just do that. They can only do these kinds of jobs. So, yeah. you know, I, I suspect that a lot of shop owners will talk about their accountant, but their accountant's actually just their bookkeeper and they're not the same yes. thing. Yes, yes, yes. You know? they, interchange are, those, they interchange those words all the, the time. Thing. And I always have to ask them what they need. I'm serious. Yeah. No, I, I know that this happens all the time. Um. So we have a, I have a chartered accounting firm and I did an interview one time and the question was, what's the number one thing that um, you wish you could tell people or that people come to you um, and have an issue with? And I said, the number one thing is go see a chartered professional accountant the day you start a business. The It's even worse in our industry. So you can say, I'm a tax expert. I'm an accountant. You can say whatever you want and open up shops. So lots of the bookkeepers, nothing stops them legally from filing a corporate tax return or preparing, quote, a financial statement. Um, you're, you're right, Murray, people don't quite understand. So let's educate people first that they really should find a designated professional. Um, I knew about lifetime capital gains exemption the year I did probably my first, because we article, we apprentice. Right, my yeah. first year of articles, the first level, like this is, this is the foundation of how you should help business owners as a professional accountant work towards maximizing the value of their um, gains exemption. If yeah. you can. Yeah. So let's talk about that. If I can, just to, to keep us uh, in this, uh, uh, how does that apply to, uh, you know, to, to the situation that we're talking about here and, 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 uh, and Asset help make those decisions, you know, so. Yeah. Okay, so the thing I'm saying is you want to sell the shares of your business. The lower dollar value, do not be fooled, is because the benefit to a seller exists. I'm not going to go down that path. I'm going to be, I'm sorry, the buyer benefits from having an asset purchase. Yeah. Okay. We are focused on selling the business. We benefit 
even though the price is lower when we sell shares, we can sell, um, if our business is structured correctly, again, a reason you need to see a professional accountant, you need to have these things set up correctly, uh, up to $913,000 of profit on the sale of the shares can be tax-free. If, and this is most often what I see, you are a couple that are 50-50 shareholders, multiply that by two. It is incredible. You can pull this much profit out with zero tax. Right. The, right. the focus then, okay, so now we know we're going to sell shares. Well, how do we maximize share value would be the second thing we need to know. Well, I guess the first thing you want to know is what is my share value today? I now am doing um, a year ago when I was on your podcast, I think what I had on my site and what I'd given to people was it was actually a KPI calculator, Murray, that did mm -hmm. all the benchmark mm -hmm. analysis that you do. I've shifted over to very much focus in my lane and expertise on this accounting side stuff. Now what I'm doing. So if people go to my site, can I do a plug of like how to get there so they can do this? We'll put it, we'll put it in the show notes. Okay. So you go just to the homepage and what I have there now is get your free business valuation because I can quickly calculate this for people based on some very um, rudimentary numbers so that they at least have a clue as to where am I sitting? Once you have that information, then we want to know, okay, well, how it's calculated and how we can improve it. What it's based on is um, in the big public company world, you probably or possibly have heard of the term EBITDA, mm -hmm. earnings before interest taxes, depreciation and amortization. In a small business segment, it's something called seller's discretionary earnings. It's basically that EBITDA, but we also are going to add on top owner's compensation. If you're working in your shop drawing $120,000 out of it as your wage or your dividends or what have you, again, another uh, tax planning point is the nuances between the two, but I won't talk about that today. Maybe we need a part two. I just get so <laughs> jazzed about this. Um, what, what we do is we, we base it on this seller's discretionary income. It's based on your earnings and what you take out of the business that benefits you as an owner. So don't worry about drawing all the money out. That's fine. That actually strengthens the evidence that this business generates cash flow for someone who buys it. You um, you will have normalizing factors. If this is if you employ your kids and you pay them a, a wage that's higher than what you would pay someone else, you would reduce. You would back some of these things out. So there's a bit of a process there. Don't worry, we don't need to get that detailed. Um, once you have this seller's discretionary income, there's something called a multiplier. Uh, the the chartered valuations experts rate that I've um, had do these um, valuations on some repair shops that I've dealt with, they're using a range between 2.5 and 4.5%. So based on your seller's discretionary earnings, you now also will factor this on top. And now people might be thinking, well, how do I want to be the 4.5%? Right, because this means well, not, you're not percent. That's four point five multiples, right? Sorry, not percent multiples. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, what you would want to to keep in mind here is the higher the seller's discretionary income, the higher the multiplier that you're going to use. Right. Yeah. So, 
if you're hearing that, that's two very good reasons to focus on increasing earnings. Pardon me. So, so if I can just interject a little bit here of things that I have heard and learned and things that I pass on to my clients, because I've actually had uh, four clients successfully sell their shops last year. And thankfully, I have replaced them <laughs> um, with new ones. But yeah. the multiplier actually has a greater effect the, the better the shop runs without the owner as well. Now, I'm going to get to that. Oh, because sorry. There, okay. there is a, so what you're saying is accurate. There are two ways we think, qualitative okay. and quantitative. I'm going to keep you on the quantitative path, which is measurable and calculatable. What Wait. you're referring to is negotiating the value of goodwill. Okay. The value of goodwill is the difference between the actual negotiated selling price and the actual physical, tangible assets like your hoists and all of that. Right. And the reason you can negotiate higher goodwill is by supporting that you have documented internal processes that show and demonstrate the business can operate with little to no owner involvement. This is a, a turnkey business. And so that you combine all of those things, you have solid processes, you increase your earnings, you can plan to improve the valuation of your business today so that you can strategize for three or four or five years down the road to sell your shares and retire. Or the other things that evaluation are good for is securing bank financing to justify the acquisition of a building. Um, if you want to have, and this is what I'm using for people to get general managers to stay committed to the business is offering equity in the business so you want to have, there's so many reasons why this earnings focused approach to increasing earnings strategically is going to benefit people substantially in the long run. Interesting. When you're talking so, to, uh, Marie, when you're talking to shops, I mean, I would imagine that you, you know, segue into the, you know, uh, you know, hey, Jim, you're, you're getting kind of older there. What are you planning to do with your shop kind of conversations? Um, some, I'm sure, will be like, well, I'm never leaving. Um, and probably a few are like, oh man, I should have left years ago. Uh, <laughs> but uh, like, what are they? What are, what are you hearing from the shop owners? Do they do they struggle making that first step and understanding what it is, and and they don't even have the conversations at all, or do they get stuck on certain points, like really understanding where things are at? Or they. So if I break it up into sort of quick categories, there's a, a great segment of not understanding, not right. I've got a great paycheck coming out. Um, and, and whatever limited advice they've received, they just are, they're going along. So there's just, there's just no understanding of, of what needs to happen and can happen and the benefits of doing it. There's a second piece where their identity is so tied to being the owner of that business that they, they emotionally can't think of letting go of that business or selling it or handing. So there's a whole piece there. Um, in the case of one of the fellas, he, you know, he sold his shop to his sons. Uh, he's still on the books and officially consulting for the next 18 months. But he has really, we have really had to sort of tie his hands behind his back, like <laughs> physically, right? Send him, send him some mobiling or, or whatever, right? And then thirdly, there's a misconception that my business is worth what I sell. And I actually, Milan, this, this is actually comes from their accountants. I know. Because accountants, when they sell their firm, sell the books, the selling, right? If I sell a million as an accounting firm, I can sell it for a million or whatever. That's what I've been told, right? 
Well, that's not how you evaluate an automotive shop. So we actually have accountants giving shop owners the impression that these businesses are worth 10 times more than they're actually worth, right? And then there's a third piece, um, which now I have forgotten. So I'm going to pass it back to you guys. (laughs) (laughs) The third piece is, if you can't remember what your third piece is, you should probably think about selling the business. Just saying, (laughs) because your your time is drawing to a close. Um, We're actually, speaking of which, uh, uh, we're we're actually going to run it up. So we are totally going to do a a part two on this, Melan. But but what I'm hearing from you and from Murray is, uh, for shop owners is, Start by having the conversation with the right professional. So just like you would expect your customers to come to you as an expert, you should also be ensuring that the folks that you're talking to uh, about the finances and valuation of your business are also experts. Uh, Thanks very much for uh, joining us on the podcast today, Milan and uh, Murray. Uh, We'll have uh, both back for a part two. We can cover off some more detail about how to evaluate your business and how to plan for your succession, however that might look. Uh, Thanks everybody else for joining us on the podcast. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of your customers and take care of your future, I guess. Thanks so much. See you next time on the Great Canadian Aftermarket Podcast. You're listening to the Great Canadian Aftermarket Podcast, brought to you by the publishers of Indie Garage and Jobber Nation. Connect with us online at indiegarage.ca and jobbernation.ca, a brand of chat integrated media. Pothole damage to a vehicle's chassis is always a concern, no matter the size or time of year. If the worst does happen, you can count on Delphi Technologies steering and suspension parts to get your customers back on the road again. Learn more at DelphiAftermarket.com.